0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead.
1: Crap, that's me. Sorry. Yep, that's you. (laughs) Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode 192, recorded Wednesday, December 3rd, 2014. We're off to a great start. <laughs> you can edit that out. Yeah, but I probably won't.
0: <laughs> or maybe I'll put it at the end, I don't know.
1: I wrote it down and I just forgot to uh, scroll all the way to the top of the page. That's That can be tricky, that whole scrolling
0: thing. Anyways, we are here again uh to do our feedback show and this is going to be a bit of a different one since we skipped last week's. What we will do is some there's it's a mixed bag of feedback this week, Jason. It's a feedback bag mixed. Exactly. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh we're going to do some feedback from episode number 7, some from episode 8, and then some that's just kind of generally about season 5 so far on the whole. And then we're going to do it all again on Monday next week, too, because there's still lots more feedback to. Oh, okay. Uh, so we're not
1: going to do the same feedback as we're doing today.
0: No, I hopefully, hopefully, there will be no overlap. Um, but you never well, know. I just,
1: I'm just thinking, I have the feedback already formatted the way I like. So, uh, you know, if we do it again on Monday, that'd be fine. It's less work for you than usual. Yeah. Exactly. That's 20 minutes that uh, I'll save right there.
0: <laughs> There's still a good 50 or 60 emails sitting there including a lot of uh phone messages and calls sitting there in the uh, email in the Gmail account. So we will be or I will be going through those over the next few days after this and we'll pull out what we can for next Monday. So it's a double shot of feedback feedback this week and next week. Awesome. It's very exciting. All right. The first thing, though, I want to do today is something I haven't mentioned in a few weeks, and that is our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. We need more entries, everybody. So get your phone out, sit in front of your computer, um, go out and buy a portable recorder, go out to the park next door to your house, sit on a park bench and read a scene. It is something you all need to do because we want to get some more entries we want to play them on a future podcast and then we want to give away the big fancy fantastic prize pack um uh at the end of season 5 to the person who records or who's who's seen that they send in we choose as our favorite
1: i like the idea of uh of the listeners recording in the park because it's like shakespeare in the park but it's the walking dead in the park yeah and you know the show really takes
0: place a lot of it out in the forest or you know the wilderness, anyways. So you could be really authentic by going out into the forest, hiking around somewhere. Um, maybe your friend dresses up as a zombie and jumps out at you, and and you have to uh, deliver deliver some
1: lines. <laughs> yeah, maybe a scene is just more of a
2: <laughs>
1: and stabby noises. It could but not be. real stabby noises, just you know imitation foley type stabby noises. Please don't actually stab anybody. But it or could anything be. really. Yeah, it could be. Well, go ahead and stab
0: a a. Uh, cut of beef if you want. I'm okay with that. Just cook They're it up already and
1: eat dead. it after. Not, a, not a, like a cow or anything, but just like already dead beef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why
0: it's a cut <laughs> of beef and not a cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't
1: stab cows.
0: No, they won't like that, and neither will uh, the police. Uh, so anyways, record your favorite scene. Pick a scene from any season of The Walking Dead. I don't know if we've gotten anything from the first eight episodes of season five yet. So if there's something in season five that you really want to record, now is the time. Send it in to us, we'll get it on the show, and we'll get some more entries into this contest. Just as a quick reminder, the prize is a complete set of retail covers for Walking Dead comic number one hundred. Should I tell people what the other half of this prize pack is, Jason? I've I've re- I've been reluctant to do it. Um and I've I've always said because it's a little bit of a spoiler for the comic, and if anyone wants to write in and ask me what it is, I'm happy to tell them. And a few people have done that, but should have I you told them? Yeah, I I, uh, I responded and told them. But should I just throw it out there? Throw it out there on the podcast? It's not a huge spoiler. It's just it's something from the Walking Dead comic that uh, has not appeared in the TV show yet.
1: All right, so, well, we'll just give a, a spoiler warning. This is a spoiler warning. Spoily, spoiler warning, everyone. Warning. Warning. Spoiler warning. Okay, go. <laughs> Thanks. That's pretty good. I'm surprised you didn't have some kind of air horn or siren there. I can probably
0: find one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, minor spoiler for the comic. This is a This is a spur-of-the-moment decision here. I did not think about this before we started recording, but minor spoiler for the comic here. The second half of our prize pack for this year's record your favorite scene contest is one more spoiler warning Jason warning thank you is a vinyl replica of Lucille the baseball bat that um, a certain character named Negan in the comics uses nice it's, it's his weapon of choice these were made exclusively available I believe at San Diego comic-con this summer Um I think I may be mistaken about that, but they were at least available first there, I think. But anyways, we have one. We are giving it away along with the issue number 100 complete cover set. And uh, it is a very, very cool replica toy, technically, but you're going to want to put this on your shelf and admire it because it's really, really nice. And if I'm not mistaken, last time I checked, these things were going on like eBay now for 100 bucks or more. So, wow. it has a little bit of value, and I think it's a pretty cool prize. So, if you want a chance to win that, all that stuff, then you got to send in, you got to record a scene from the show, send it in to us, and uh,
1: cross your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I And guess. then, uh, once you get your prize pack, you're uh, perfectly welcome to sell it on eBay hey, for 100 bucks. it's up
0: to you. You can do whatever you want with it at that point, but uh, I think I would keep it and admire it for a while, and... Don't hit anybody with it, because it's not meant for that. Right. All right. Um, I guess I should quickly remind people to send stuff in. The best thing to do is somehow record it, maybe with your phone or your computer, and then send us an audio file to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That'll render usually the best quality. But you can also just uh, give us a call on the phone line, one 483 9662 or go to our web page and uh, hit the send voicemail button, that's talkingdeadpodcast.com, and click send voicemail, and then you can record something right in your browser, so a few ways to do that. All right, let's move past the contest, hopefully a few more uh, entries come in, and talk about the ratings real quickly for cool. CODA, the se- mid-season finale. Um, do you want to guess, as usual, do you want to throw a guess out there?
1: 15.3 million people.
0: That's, you know, you're not too far off. The actual retail value was 14.8 million. Oh, I'm over. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, you were a little bit over. Now, another 2.6 million people watched the 11 p.m. rebroadcast. So if you factor that in, you weren't over. So what's that? Okay, that's well, good. 17 million. That's right. awesome. Yeah, not bad. Um, and then Talking Dead came in, AMC's Talking Dead came in, um, second place for the night with 6.5 million viewers, so that show's not going anywhere, I don't think. It's raking in a, it's raking in some serious viewers as well.
1: Well, good on it. Yeah, good for them, good for them.
0: Um, I don't think 6.5 million is quite their normal, uh, number because, uh, you know, this was a mid-season finale, so they had more people sticking around, and of course, Beth died. So Emily Kinney was right. on, and lots of stuff uh, was happening. But, uh, nice. anyways, fourteen point eight million for Coda is pretty solid. That was enough for the show to not only win the night but also win the week. Nothing else during the week was higher rated or watched by more people than that.
1: That's that's really quite excellent.
0: It's really quite excellent. It really is. All righty, we will see how the ratings go for the second half of the season, but I expect them to just keep getting bigger and bigger. But we won't know that until February, but what we do know right now is that we have some of this. Listener feedback. Okay, so the first group of uh, emails we have here are from episode seven. I thought I'd start with a few of these since we didn't get to them last week. And then we'll get into uh, episode eight. How about that? Sure. Perfect. Okay, so the first email here comes from Jason in D.C., and he says, I don't mean to pile it on The Walking Dead, but last night's episode was so weak. Especially terrible was the Abraham and all storyline, which consisted of watching them filter water through mud and watching Maggie walk around the fire truck about five times. I love this show, but the dialogue, logic, and pacing has been pretty terrible with the hospital storyline. Not only that, but since the storyline is taking us back to Atlanta it almost feels like the show is regressing taking us back to where to what the writers feel comfortable with rather than exploring something new
1: yeah filtering water through uh, through a t-shirt is uh riveting television it really isn't um
0: although i must admit i was um, I was glad to learn how to do that because I didn't really think to uh, that you could filter water. I, I mean, I'd never really thought about it before, but that's a good skill to have.
1: Right. So, did you want your, you know, your beloved Walking Dead television show to watch uh, to teach you that, or you know, you could just go to YouTube and spend fifteen minutes learning all kinds of stuff about how to filter water and to make uh, safe drinking water?
0: That is very true. But then I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. So knowledge comes from everywhere including right. the walking it, dead
1: it's the unknown unknowns like the known unknowns are one thing but it's the unknown unknowns that really get you
0: that's right you never know when those are going to creep up on you <laughs> that's right <laughs> um what do you what do you think about this idea that the show is is regressing i don't know if i agree with that going back to atlanta isn't necessarily to me a step backwards but it does feel like but but i could see how someone could sort of feel that way
1: yeah, I'm not really, I didn't feel like a step backwards to me either. I mean, shows take place in a location, right? You pick any uh, any popular serial television show like Breaking Bad or anyone, actually, and they all take place in a single kind of location. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sopranos took place in Jersey or New Jersey, I think. Is that my, am I right on that? I've never seen The Sopranos. Anyway, near New York. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, I, I'm, you know, this show kind of takes place in and around Atlanta, That's I'm, and I'm comfortable with that. If they happen to go somewhere else, that'd be interesting, but uh, most television shows take place in a very general, you know, location, so uh, it didn't feel like really a regression to me. Yeah, I don't think so, and Atlanta is such a
0: different place now than it was at the beginning of this show, when Rick wakes up in that hospital and stumbles around. Um I mean, at the very least, it's had a couple of years to just sit there and get a little more overgrown and for zombies to spread out and some come, some go, you know, so it's not the same place as it was during right. the initial days of this outbreak. Yeah. Um, and I have a feeling they're not going to hang around Atlanta too long anyway, so Jason and D.C., I
1: wouldn't worry about it too much. Right. Uh, next, we have an email from Craig in Ottawa, Ontario. I was just listening to your summary of Crossed. At the end, you debated different ways that Sasha could have handled the prisoners so that uh, he wouldn't have been able to attack her. I think that her current mental state and or lack of training can explain how things went down. I think even more interesting, a more interesting discussion would be this. How could the writers have achieved the same result without looking at looking like Sasha made a terrible blunder? We naturally tend to look at things from a character point of view, but the writer's point of view is often much more difficult and interesting to solve. So,
0: yeah, so I guess you can explain Sasha's actions because she was as the character very in a, in a delicate mental state, right? Bob has just died. She's now suddenly looking after a guy also named Bob and right. maybe not quite thinking straight. Um right and and that's why he was able to kind of, you know, intellectually get the better of her. And convince her to go to that window and turn her back and all those sorts of things. Um but, you know, in terms of from a writer's point of view, does does this scene work? I I I don't know. I'm I
1: The more I th- Well, they had to achieve a goal, right? They had to achieve a he escapes goal mhm and in order to do that he had to be in a position to escape if sasha had done her job properly he wouldn't have been able to escape and therefore the writer's goal couldn't have happened right so but but how but then
0: how does how does that impact the writing process then i mean they come up with their end game and they have to write a story that leads to it we actually have another email later on in this in the list here that that addresses this as well but I think this is similar, where they come up with their their goal, they come up with what needs to happen, and then they write a story that gets it there. Um, But is there any other way to to do it? Like, I'm not sure that there is. You need an outline to go by, which has sort of incremental plot points and goals and stuff like that, and then you fill in the gaps with hopefully good story in between.
1: Yeah, that's one way. I'm sure other writers just kind of write, and they have no idea what's going to happen until the end. I suppose they may, yeah. It's probably— Some writers work that way. Probably different process for everybody, I'm sure.
0: Um, but I don't know. Can we—we're not writers, but can we speculate no. on, on some other scenario where Bob would have bested uh, uh, Sasha and gotten away?
1: Yeah, he would have been able to uh rub his uh zip cuffs up against something uh and in- sharp enough that they would have been cut and then uh while she was turning to uh take a leak or something, uh he could have knocked her in the back of the head <laughs> with uh the cinder block that he was sitting on. Well, there you go. There's all kinds of things that could have happened, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, she could have fell asleep I s- and he smothered her by, you know, uh just lying on top of her head. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been definitely weird. <laughs> now, with with those two scenarios out there, I'm kind of a little more happy with the one they went with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason uh, shouldn't write television shows because they'd probably be real dumb. Really dumb. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. Mark in
0: Baltimore uh, wrote us an email that has to do with leaving Michonne at the church, and he says, if you have kids, you know that you take the person you trust most believe to be the most capable warrior and you put that person alone with your children. Everyone else is with you and none of you may be coming back. Right. So, makes sense. yeah, it does make sense I guess you're going to leave your most trusted ally to watch over your children rather than,
1: you know, leave them alone with um mystery priest uh Father Gabe there. Right. And uh, Matt from Clementon, New Jersey, also has uh, an email on this topic. Uh, you mentioned how weird it was that Tyrese was on the raid with Michonne staying at the church. At first, I figured it was because Michonne is Carl's best friend in the group, so Rick wants those two together. Then I changed course and decided that the guys wanted Tyrese around to keep Sasha together. She obviously is in a sour mood and ready to lash out at simple things like a rip in her jacket. Tyrese is the guy who can always talk to her and try to keep her wits about her. Yeah, I like that theory a lot too
0: that Sasha's coming because she's very capable. But right now as we just said, she's a little bit fragile and she needs uh Tyrese there to keep her keep her going and keep her motivated and keep her on the level more or less. Right. And that keep and her, uh, keep her shit together. Exactly, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. And when you factor all these things in together like Tyrese comes to keep her shit together, which she does just barely, but then Tyrese isn't there when she gets outwitted by uh by Bob. It all kind of falls into place a little bit better, and I'm feeling okay. a little bit better about the whole thing in general.
1: I, I yeah, I think uh I, I think I'm leaning towards agreeing with that. <laughs> Very good.
0: All right. Andy in England writes In the scene where Michonne is watching Carl and Gabriel, you mentioned you felt she had a look on her face like she could see some horror unfolding behind Carl or something. My reading of that expression was a combination of being impressed with how much Carl had grown up and sadness at how someone so young is forced to have that view of the world. He's certainly not the young lad munching on ice cream and chocolate bars
1: anymore. He can't be. No. But he can be eating a whole big can of pudding. He can definitely still do that because you don't outgrow that shit, no. Um,
0: and and actually thinking about that scene, that was the same episode where just before that, uh, wasn't it, where they find the the string cheese or the the spray cheese, and uh, Michonne tries to 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 eat it and sort of have right. fun with some, with Carl, and he he just won't have any of it. And you know this scene here. Giving a knife to—or uh, a uh, machete to Gabe and telling a him that—
1: priest. What? It, giving a machete to a priest yeah. in order to <laughs> hack at, uh, well, undead things. It's not like they're living—you know, it's not like he's committing murder or anything. Yeah. But still. It's still going to be pretty disturbing to go, uh, yeah, Mr. Priest, you take that and uh, hack at anything that comes after you. Sure. I mean, there's nothing—
0: inherently wrong with giving a machete to a priest. I mean,
1: he may need to cut the cut the bushes around his church. Well, and that's what machetes are designed for, yeah. right? They're not designed for hacking at people's heads. No. Uh or cutting people's hands off or whatever. They're ultimately meant to cut back brush of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you're it's it's okay for a priest to have a machete just uh not if he's going to use it against human beings.
1: That's right. That's like if you're walking down the street in Canada and you have a sword, right? Because it's, it's legal to carry a sword as long as it's not concealed. And if the police stop you and they ask you what the sword is for, because they will stop you, mm-hmm. uh, you say it's for opening boxes. <laughs> because if you say it's for self-defense, then it's illegal to have that sword. But if you have a purpose that is perfectly normal, uh, then you can carry that sword. Or if you're carrying a pocket knife, why do you have a knife? If you say for self-defense, you're breaking the law. If you say for uh, opening boxes or cutting my fingernails, you're fine. Got it.
0: I'll keep that in mind next time I'm carrying my sword <laughs> around downtown Toronto. <laughs>
1: yeah, not concealed. You can't conceal it. As soon as you conceal it, then uh, then again, you're breaking the law. Huh. Well, I'm glad we have these sorts of laws, really. <laughs> yeah. I want to know. Like... If someone's walking
0: down the street in front of me with a katana, I want to know that person has a katana. <laughs> right. Yeah, for opening boxes. <laughs> for for opening boxes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, what I was saying is, um, I felt like this scene with uh, Michonne and Carl and 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 him giving the machete to the priest was almost an extension of of that scene last year in last year's episode. You know, Carl is yep. growing up. He's becoming not cold, but he's he's sort of streetwise in this in this kind of universe, right?
1: Well, yeah, childhood has to kind of take a back seat to survival at this point. For sure. So he's not able to be a kid. And I, and I can see how uh, Michonne would be horrified by that, hmm. the fact that—and uh, impressed, you know, that kind of a combination of horrified and impressed that, uh, that uh, Carl has grown up so much and, and knows so much about survival at such a young age. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's forced to, and he needs to. Yeah.
0: All right, so what's happening next? Am I doing the next one, or are you—
1: No, I'm doing the next one. So uh, the next bunch of feedback is for episode eight, CODA. Mm -hmm. And first we have Holly in North Carolina. I was really disturbed before Rick shot Lamson saying, you can't go back, Bob. I don't like hearing the same words spoken from Garris Mouse coming from Rick. It just shows how cold Rick is becoming. Yeah. So a lot of people wrote this
0: into us, that it was basically exactly the same line. Gareth said to Bob in the season premiere, you can't go back, Bob. And Rick said the same thing to Lampson here. So um, something I didn't notice or didn't clue into when I first watched it, but really, really nice uh, dialogue bookending of the first half of the season here.
1: Yeah, that really shows uh, Rick coming around to a perspective that is uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, Floyd in Lancaster, Ohio, sent us a long email, but I've got three points of his here. So maybe we'll do these one at a time. Here he says, what was up with the almost laughable situation where Daryl and Sasha are clearly and obviously leaning over the wall of the parking garage with their rifles, yet the two police officers Rick is talking to somehow can't see them. Then the camera pans up the garage and we can't see them either. That was almost goofy.
1: Well, that's assuming that they were in that parking garage. I assume from the last few episodes that uh, downtown Atlanta is covered in multi-level parking garages.
0: Yeah, Jason. But the problem is that we had the vantage point from the roof where they were, and then we had the vantage point from the ground where Rick was looking back up. And they just maybe weren't. there
1: was a parking garage behind that parking
0: garage. No, it wasn't. They just weren't there. I was The only thing I was thinking is maybe they weren't on the top level, but they were because there was no levels above them. Right. Or, you know, maybe it was just a, a different angle, and that's what we have to believe, that they were just off camera or something like that. But from what we saw on screen, they should have been there. And I feel like, I you know, We've we've been a little down on this and I and I feel like we're we're piling on a little bit here, but it seems just like a bit of laziness to not have anybody up there. It didn't even have yeah. to be the, the actual actors because they were too far away. But put a couple of extras up there, maybe with the right tops on and a couple of fake rifles
1: and it, they could have even been probably holding broom broomsticks. You know, and you wouldn't well, have I'm it. I'm sure that they would have gotten the actual actors. If they had thought about it and really decided to, to make that a, a thing we would see, I'm sure it would be the actors. There's no reason why it wouldn't be the actors. Well, not necessarily. I mean, if... Or even the extras in the same clothes, they know how to do this, right? They've got a budget to to put some people in the actual, you know, copies of the clothes that the actors are wearing. You give them prop guns, who cares? But, you know, a guy holding a, a broomstick in a similar shirt probably a little cheap but okay that's what I'm saying though they don't need
0: to go all out for this like if they don't want to if they're shooting that scene on a day and they don't want to bring Norman to the set because you know he's having lunch with his sister or something like that I don't know Uh, (laughs) I'm just saying they don't need Norman Reedus and uh, Sonequa Martin Green up there they just need two people in the same clothes with something that looks like a rifle because it, it was really far away and my question is just why not do that? Like, what is it about this season that is that we're getting some of these a little bit lazy decisions with with the creation of this show? How hard would it have been to put a couple of people up there just to keep the consistency?
1: Well, it wouldn't have been hard, but you know, the other another explanation is that the uh, that Father Gabriel cast a visual obfuscation spell on everybody so that they would be relatively <laughs> invisible. As they went about their lives, <laughs> he's a priest, not a wizard. No, they have you know priests in Dungeons and Dragons have the ability to cast spells. Oh, so. They have heal and uh, generally helpful things. <laughs> okay, like invisibility. Yeah, they they channel the powers from their god in whatever ways they they choose. It's not, they're called clerics in in D anD D. Okay, so he's a cleric.
0: Fine, he's a cleric. He cast a spell. Um, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's it. I think it's just for some reason. They they aren't paying attention to some of the smaller details in the in some of these episodes, and I don't know why, and it bothers me. Right. Anyhow, Floyd continues. He says, okay, Rick floors the police car to run down Lampson, but as soon as the car hits him, it magically comes to a complete and sudden stop. First of all, in all reality, the car would have just run over Lampson at that point. In some magical world where the car does stop like that, Rick would have went through the windshield.
1: True. Okay, so the car hit Lampson and transferred all of its momentum to Lampson, uh nulling out the forward uh movement of the car. Yes, and Rick. The car stopped dead <laughs> and shot Lampson forward
0: like twenty meters or whatever it was. Yeah. And Rick just sat there in in the driver's seat. He must have been wearing a seatbelt.
1: Yeah, that's uh yeah, I can see that being uh lazy too. But that's not that's par par for the course for the current state of television and movies. like Television and movies do this all over the place. Uh, Go watch, uh, there's a a video series on YouTube right now called Every Frame a Painting, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. The most recent one that just came out uh, is about uh, Jackie Chan Mm -hmm. and about the fighting scenes in Jackie Chan movies versus fighting scenes in North American movies. And it makes me want to... Not watch any North American movies anymore. It makes me want to watch all Jackie, Jackie Chan movies all the time, because they're awesome. And they, he goes into something very similar to this, where uh, they, uh, editors or directors or, or whomever, uh, edit separately the, the scenes or the shots are separate uh, action from reaction. So the action is Rick hitting, hitting Lampson, and the reaction is Lampson flying through the air and breaking his back they don't show the two together in North American movies. Jackie Chan movies, they show that stuff at the same time Mm -hmm. because Jackie Chan uh, has essentially unlimited budget for making his movies, and he can spend uh, three weeks trying to get one shot just perfectly and 78 takes, whereas in North America they have tighter schedules and they have to do things uh, on a budget and therefore they have to shoot the action and reaction separately. Mm-hmm. So I think this is exactly what's happening here. The action is Rick hits Lampson, the reaction is uh Lampson flying through the air. And uh they couldn't show the car moving because that would have been dangerous for the actors.
0: But I think they so I think it, I think they did, didn't they? They showed it was a wide shot. You see the car hit uh Hit Lamson and then basically just stop dead. Like it must have been some sort of effects shot, because or or something, or maybe it was shot separately and then composited together. I don't know, but go to the tape. Go to the tape, sure. <laughs> um, but if if I mean if in e- either case, it sounds like what they tried to do here is show, you know, the action and reaction in one in one shot, but but kind of it it came off sort of funny, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have it up there?
1: Uh I going to try and find it, but uh it might take a second.
0: All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll I'll this reminded me of something else too. You remember the show Night Rider? Everyone remembers Knight Rider.
1: Uh Night Rider, that's with that uh car that could talk, right?
0: Yeah. Um Night Rider and David Hasselhoff, they used to there used to be a rolling truck command center that he'd drive into every once in a while, right? Yep. I don't remember what that was called, but I do remember thinking when I was younger, um, and my dad pointed this out to me, I think, that if they're driving along the highway at, say, 60 miles an hour, 100 kilometers an hour, and he's going to drive in, and that truck is going to lower its ramps at the back, and he's going to drive into that truck, as soon as his front tires hit that ramp, He's traveling at 100 kilometers an hour. He's going to still be traveling 100 kilometers an hour up that ramp. So he's going to drive up that ramp and probably shoot right through the back of that trailer and
1: come out the cab. Is he not? I I I'm sorry. I apologize for this, but uh, your dad is wrong. Why is that? Because because the momentum of the car will null out the uh, the difference in speed in the tires. Uh I think uh I think myth mythbusters tried this. Really? And when the car goes up the ramp, say the the, the car is going 100 miles an hour, which is absolutely ridiculous for the this, this stunt. They're probably going like 20 miles an hour. Yeah, but we have but, to assume uh, they're going quick. Right. The tire, in order for the car to uh, go through the truck and fly through, that means uh, from that instant the car goes from road to ramp, the tires will have to accelerate that car up to a speed that shoots it through the uh, through the, the truck and they can't do that there's just not enough uh there's not enough traction in the tires or enough torque in the engine to, in order to do that so as soon as the tires hit the ramp most likely uh the engine will stall so i think if it's a front wheel drive it's rear wheel drive there's no real problem except for what that when rear wheels get on there but uh, essentially you have to at that point uh the car the tires will decelerate really quickly and then you can drive slowly up that so you it's a gear shifting thing Okay, but so the momentum of the car will keep it from shooting through the through the, the truck because in order to shoot through the truck, the momentum of the car would have to increase, uh, you know, a very large amount in a very short time. Yeah. Okay.
0: I can I can see that, but at at the, at the end of the day,
1: though, it would still be sort of impossible to do that smoothly, right? Th- that's a that's a stunt. That's not a, a a digital effect or a practical effect. That's a stunt. They actually did that, right? Oh, yeah, well, I guess so, but they weren't going that fast. No, but, uh, like, that's that's not, uh, there's no special effect there. That's st- a stunt driver driving into the back of a truck at whatever speed they're going.
0: I have to and look. That this, actually happened. I have to look this up because I don't believe, I mean, I believe that it would be possible at slow speed. Sure, if they're going very slow, that's fine. But I'm saying in the theoretical world of Knight Rider, and they were going, say, 100 kilometers an hour, I don't know that that would be possible
1: without wiping out. I think Mythbusters did this. Okay, I'll check that. You'll have to do a search for that. I don't know. Anyways. Um, So I found the clip. Uh, There's actually three shots. There's one shot of Rick about to hit Lampson. The third shot is Lampson flying through the air and hitting the ground. The second shot is a car hitting Lampson and we seeing the reaction and the car decelerating. That was obviously a special effect. Okay. That that one shot, it was only like uh, less than half a second. But we did see the, uh, the car hit Lampson from a side view and him flying through the air and then the car stopping. And that was a special effect. So, you know, uh, pixels on a screen do not have any momentum. So the car was able to decelerate rapidly. Instantly.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So driving up the ramp of a truck or running a dude over causes your car to decelerate quickly.
1: Well, yeah, because, you know, the, the car transferred all of its momentum into Lampson. Right. And uh, he flew through the air with the greatest of ease, uh, landing on his side and breaking his back.
0: Okay. Well, finally, Floyd in Lancaster, Ohio has this, and I wanted to include this last one because um, the first two were a little bit um, critical of the show, and this one is, is the opposite. He says, starting when the walkers broke through the glass doors at the school and ending the moment Gratom shows up and blocks the door with the fire engine, that was some of the most actually threatening zombie moments we've had for quite some time. As you guys mentioned in an earlier podcast this season, the real threat is now uh, now is humans, not the undead. Walkers just kind of set the scene. But the fight and chase with Gabriel, Michonne, Carl, and Judith was some real edge-of-your-seat stuff that we haven't seen in a while. I forgot
1: how fun watching these uh, scenarios can be. So. That's cool. Always have a I'm I was a little surprised, you know, frankly, that they didn't have a an escape exit planned out in it ahead of time. Well, I'm
0: pretty sure there isn't just one door in a church like that. There's probably a what? back door.
1: But they boarded up the front door. Why wouldn't they like oh, I assume they boarded up the other door, but with no plans to escape. And the other problem, as long as we're nitpicking here, I mean, this is a good point. It was great. The zombies are uh, were an actual threat again, which, which you know, frankly was nice to see. Um, But they boarded up the windows on the outside of the church. They should have boarded them up on the inside. <laughs> yeah. So that they could pull the boards down
0: in an emergency. And it doesn't mean that it's a lot harder, well, for someone on the outside of the church
1: to not just pry them off and get in. If, you know, if they're not right. undead. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. Nitpicking again. Yep. All right, next we have Giovanni on the internet. Well, boo-hoo, Beth is dead. So long as we're getting rid of dead weight, uh, how about Rick makes a deal with the Grady cops and leave Eugene and the preacher behind in exchange for some food, a car, medicine, a few guns, or bullets? Heck, if they aren't willing to give anything in trade, just leave them behind anyway. Both characters will do nothing but burden the rest of our heroes no matter where the road leads them, and they will take up valuable food. Neither of them is useful for work, companionship, or fighting off enemies. You know... That's pretty I, harsh.
0: It is. Giovanni. I, I don't agree with Giovanni entirely here. I think there's definitely some interest to be had and some storytelling to be had when you have weak characters mixed in with strong ones. If everyone was just a strong killing machine, there'd be less... It'd be the pack of wild dogs. Yeah, it'd be less threat. There'd be... It wouldn't be as interesting. You need the weak to balance the strong. Right, And and
1: that that's good to know because, you know, in any group of survivors in a zombie apocalypse, I'm going to be one of the weak idiots, uh, <laughs> you know, hobbling along behind going, hey, wait, wait up, I, I can't keep up. Uh, y- come on, you need me to do your ironing. <laughs> wait, right? guys, we should go to Ottawa. That's where the government is. They'll save us. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's where CSIS is. We should go there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty harsh leaving somebody behind going, I'll trade you this. Well, why would they, you know, why would the, these people trade anything for uh, useless people? It's like, I'll trade you Eugene for some food. <laughs> yeah, what does he do? Um, he's real smart and he lies a lot. <laughs> Deal. Here's a hamburger. <laughs> Ooh, they have hamburgers? I would assume so. Sure. Why wow. not? Why not? It's a hospital. Yep.
0: Anyways, I, yeah, you can't trade people for stuff. I mean, you, maybe you could try, but, uh, I, it, it, Wait, wait, isn't that slavery? Yeah, well, I don't that's know. It's not good. Depends on what their job's gonna be when they, uh, when they, when they... Well, no, uh, if uh, you're selling people for stuff, that's slavery. <laughs> okay, fine, you're right. So you can't do that. Um, anyways, I like having these, these... If all the characters were the same, it wouldn't be as interesting. So we need these weak people to balance out the strong ones, we need and funny people, think, we need sad yeah. people, we need all kinds of different people.
1: Well, lots of people are sad. Uh, I think that uh, one of the things they tried to do in the episode where they they uh, they used the, they filtered the water, I think the reason that they had that, one of the reasons they had that scene was to show that Eugene has value other than being this uh, fictitious scientist guy. Mm-hmm. He's still a smart dude with a mullet, And that can have value for, you know, filtering water or whatever his other ideas are, and for entertainment value, just for looking at a stupid head. (laughs) Hey, look at that guy's funny hair. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I don't feel so bad about that herd of zombies now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Good stuff. Aaron in Syracuse, New York uh, writes, well, he wrote a longer sort of email, and I'm going to pick it up in the middle here. It's about the Beth scene, and he says, why not stab her in the neck? referring to Dawn. He says it would take slightly longer and thus give Dawn an extra second to draw her weapon and shoot Beth, and then we could watch Dawn bleed out as her subordinates refuse to assist her. Beth would be a fallen hero instead of someone who made a mistake in a moment of anger. Having Daryl kill Dawn only makes sense if they intend to introduce some kind of character shift for him in the second part of the season. Maybe he will stop being the voice of reason as a result of the loss, but my guess is that the writers had the ending they wanted and worked backwards to fill in the steps without thinking through other possibilities. So this is the email I was referring to before where it feels like Aaron here is saying it feels like that the writers sort of had the ending they want. They wanted Beth mm-hmm. to die. They wanted Daryl to be sad and they wanted Maggie to, to break down and all the emotion involved with that. But then they kind of worked backwards and were like, all right, how do we get from here to Beth dying and everybody being sad? And right. as I was saying before, maybe that's the process they go through sometimes, but uh, maybe maybe not. I I don't
1: know. Maybe there's a better way to do it. Okay, so Dave in Coventry, UK. I'm gonna I have something to say, but I'm gonna go after uh, after this next email because it does uh, address some of this. Uh, Dave in Coventry, UK. I'd like to chime in on your assessment of the death of Beth. Beth confronts Don and says, "I get it now." and is squared up squared up, face-to-face. A trained cop would already be getting into a defensive reactive position, uh, whether this is to take a step back or to get her firearm. Also, Beth's position is obscured by... Uh, if, uh, sorry, the, her position has obscured the view of Rick and the gang, preventing them from seeing Don go for the gun. Beth then swings the scissors at Don's shoulder, an action that would take a lot longer than to pull the pull of a trigger. Uh, I used to teach control and restraint techniques in a previous job, and this involves reaction distances and times, dealing with confrontation and how to deal with weapon attacks. All this would be in basic police training. So the fact that Beth was right up next to uh, right up next to Dawn, she would have already been uh, drawing her weapon. So that kind of makes sense, right? I, I can see how that makes sense, um,
0: but do we just have to assume that's what happened?
1: I guess so. Yeah. Cuz what's the other what's the other one? She's a, a, a lightning fast uh you know, quick-draw artist that is able to uh, draw and accurately fire a weapon even though she's been stabbed in the bra strap?
0: However, she mouthed the words I didn't mean to after, so it was not an accident. We have to go with the knowledge that it's an accident. Therefore...
1: You don't accidentally pull a pair of scissors out of your cast and then raise it up over your head no, not, and stab somebody in a downward motion. Not Beth. Dawn. Dawn, no. after Beth uh,
0: stabs her... Oh, right. Dawn, or, yeah. sorry, after she... Sh- shoots Beth through the head. She, it goes into slow-mo, and she mouths the words, I didn't mean to, just before Daryl shoots her in the head. So th- that's the problem. This is part of the problem with this scene. It It is definitely an accidental shooting. Now, that doesn't mean that Dawn couldn't have, you know, used her police training and taken her weapon out um, when someone threatened her like that. And the threat in this case is
1: simply standing too close to her. <laughs> Um, yeah, where the reaction times are less, so you want to be in a position uh, where you can deal with a really small reaction time, mm-hmm. right? So she might have been drawing her weapon and bringing it up in order to threaten Beth, yeah, and then Beth stabbed her, and then she just reflexively pulled the trigger because mm-hmm. we know that she sticks her finger on the trigger, yeah, at whenever she you know draws her firearm. Sure, and and
0: I honestly could believe that, like I could. It's just. The way it played out on screen, there wasn't enough there for me to to get that feeling. And, And, you know, I don't want them to show me every little thing. I don't want them to tell me everything. There has to be some audience interpretation. There always does. All the best shows have it. But there's a time and a place for that. And I think there's also a time and a place for showing us things. And to me, this is one of those things where they needed a sound effect of a gun coming out of a holster or or yep. or they needed uh you know they needed um, dawn to to take a small step backwards, anything like that, and then just something to indicate that there was enough time for her to take that gun out and start to raise it because she was feeling threatened um, yep. It even could have been as small as as the look on her face, and I just didn't see any of that in in this scene, and that's why it it doesn't work for me. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I I I'm trying to see the bright side for sure, but this and the people on the roof and everything just seem to get a little. It, it seems to. It seems like they're not paying attention to the, some of these some of these smaller details that we need, and they're just going for these moments, right? Like, uh, uh the last uh, emailer was it Aaron said that they they're coming up with what they want to do, and they're not filling in the gaps quite to to
1: get there all the way. So. Whatever, okay. Um, so, and my only advice uh, that I would say is if you're going to stab somebody while uh, being nose to nose with them and staring them in the eyes, you don't, you know, raise the uh, weapon up to their field of vision. You stab them someplace where they can't see where, where you're stabbing them because then they don't know, right? You're not telegraphing your motions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, stab them on the, on the inner thigh. There's a major artery down there that uh, you'd bleed out in 20 minutes. Stomach? Like it would take a long time a stomach uh that's probably it might be a survivable wound. It might be bad. You might get sepsis and die and stuff, but uh, if you want to hit an artery, you go for the neck or you go for the inner thigh. You you know, you slice that artery, sure they're in a hospital, maybe the doctor could probably fix that up, but uh you know, maybe not.
0: Yeah. I I'm
1: saying though, but like in that moment, I mean,
0: stabbing someone in the stomach is still pretty serious um even with little scissors like that. So you know I, again i don't really know that beth was trying to kill her she just right was trying she was acting on a moment of misguided well not misguided but uh, sort of uncontrolled rage and and uh yeah i don't know just if she just wanted to hurt her then stab her somewhere but it, but, yeah. but again if it was uncontrolled rage then she wasn't thinking and she's going to raise her arm up and come down with it so um yeah you're right i mean that's why vampires go for the neck Or
1: the thigh. Yeah, it's a major vein and a major, major arteries in there. It's your whole head blood supply learned through your neck. If I learned anything from true blood, it's that vampires like to suck your neck and
0: your leg. Right. (laughs) All right. um, Who's next? Me, Paul? Yep. Paul in England writes, this episode had enjoyable moments, but also a few head scratchers. For one, what the hell was the best case scenario for Beth when she decided to stab Don like that? See? Start a firefight and get all of her friends that just came to rescue her killed? Her death was impactful, uh, though more for the reactions of Daryl and Maggie than her own characters dying, but the hospital story seemed to lack much payoff to me, especially since we were repeatedly told that the male cops were awful people who laugh at and commit rape, yet it's now supposed to feel like some kind of haven because the women the woman in charge is gone. Huh? <laughs>
1: True. I like reading a good, huh? At the end. Yeah. <laughs> they should burn the whole uh, hospital down. They if should. Raise it to the ground.
0: Like, if these guys are that bad and they're raping people, you know, that's not going to stop just because Dawn is dead.
1: You wouldn't think. No, she wasn't the cause of that. She just you know, condoned it. Yeah. And and let it slide. Maybe the next leader won't let it slide. Maybe like, okay, uh, the rape stops here. Like, no more raping. Yeah, that's a new rule. No more raping. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's crazy that that has to be a new rule.
1: Yeah, for cops. Right. For police officers. We got to make a new rule. No more raping. Yeah. No more (laughs) raping. All right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Anthony in Pennsylvania. And Anthony was, uh, this was from a longer email, and this had to do with the strong emotional reaction that his girlfriend had that he didn't have. So we're picking up in the middle of his email. When Maggie found out Beth was dead, she said, oh my gosh, Maggie. And my response was, really? With Beth's death? death? How has Maggie's life changed? She's been living as though Beth was already dead. Now she at least knows what happened to her. Now she can go back to uh, to only caring about Glenn and forgetting she had a sister. My girlfriend thinks I'm cold-hearted to feel this way. I told her it doesn't change the facts. Here's what I think about this. As much
0: as Maggie seemed to not care about her sister, it is certainly not unrealistic that in the act presented with her body, having just been shot in the head, you would you would get a uh, intense emotional reaction like we did from Maggie. So I don't right. think there's anything wrong with that. The problem we had was kind of the whole time leading up to it where she didn't mention her or didn't seem to care at all about her. Um, but the, but the actual death scene and the actual emotion in the scene where,
1: where Maggie breaks down, I totally believed. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, we got some emotional reaction out of her, yeah. which is appropriate because your sister is, is, you know, uh, well, the first, first reaction was a little bit confusing. It's like, oh my God, she's alive. And my reaction was, oh my God, you thought she was dead? Right. And the second reaction is, oh my God, she's dead, which I thought was completely appropriate because she's, your sister's dead. Yeah. That's, that's an impactful thing on your life. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I think Anthony, your girlfriend might be sort of right here in that you are a little cold hearted looking at just the facts. Yes, she's dead, but it's, it's not a good thing that at least she knows what happened to her because, you know, if your grandmother is in the hospital for six months and is dying and uh you know it's upsetting to the whole family, and then she passes away after the end of the six months. You're not relieved like oh, finally she died because those are the facts that you no longer have to go to the hospital uh you don't longer have to worry about it at least she's dead is kind of a really it's a cold hearted way of looking at it so i think your your girlfriend's sort- sort of sort of right here take that anthony and <laughs> sorry anthony <laughs> i I feel bad no it's all right it's the way it is um but
0: Jason, I think you are also. Uh, I mean, you also kind of nailed it last time on the podcast where you said Maggie has been living basically with the assumption for a while that she's dead. And based on that assumption, she doesn't necessarily have to uh, come out and say it so much, right? If If she believes that, then she was basically under that impression and not until they finally got back and Michonne said, nope, she's alive. They've gone to get her. That's when... She started to to feel differently, right? Yeah. So,
1: which was confusing. Well, Th-
0: to me, confusing. Except that if she was basically working under the assumption that she was dead and gone, like that's that's one thing. And now she's alive.
1: Oh, good. Let's go find her. Like it. it we didn't worked. have that information until we found out that she was reacting to her being alive. Yes, but I, prior to that, we didn't know she was under the assumption that uh, that Beth was dead. Right. That is an assumption on our part, but.
0: If you assume that is true, then all of it works a little bit better for me. But as the audience, we shouldn't have to really assume that. You know, we should be not told straight out, but yep. given given some information that that leads us to believe that. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next email comes from Camille or Camille in Slagelse, Denmark. Apologies for the pronunciation there, and. Uh, He says, what the F? Wow, what a disappointment. I really expected something much, much better. This is how I see it. Great moments, colon, from the first second till the opening credits. Okay stuff, (laughs) zombies storming the church, and the last 15 minutes. Crap, pretty much everything else. (laughs) I mean, half the episode was spent on conversations between Beth and Dawn. We got some actually good character development and backstory for Dawn, but why the hell do we need that if they are going to kill them both off anyway? Maybe this was just to make us believe that Dawn had changed and would end up joining our group in the end, just to surprise us when the moment came. I felt like this was just a waste of time and they could have shown something much more valuable to the story. Uh, fair enough. I mean, if, if you're going to build a character up um, just to... That's what they do though. They build them up a little bit to kill them off, right? They give you a connection yeah. and then they yank it away.
2: Well,
1: yeah, and that's a that's a that's a storytelling technique, right? We've seen that in all kinds of TV shows and movies. As Inclu- soon as it's as soon as somebody gets uh important, they die, including this one. Right, including this one. Very yeah. very much so. Yeah. All right, next we have an email from Lynn in Oslo, Norway. I couldn't get into the sadness of Beth dying last night on The Walking Dead no one in the group has asked for her since she went missing including her own sister as many others have pointed out so her dying and them all collapsing because it turned into an uh, it, sorry so her dying and them all collapsing because of it turned into an involuntary hilarious moment for me this is like uh, uh it's like they were all oblivious to her living in the first place and suddenly she's the most important person in the group i feel slightly evil but i blame the writers also, I was truly scared that Carol would die, so I was happy it was Beth and not her. Okay, Lynn, you're also cold-hearted. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just... Uh, but in a different way. <laughs> it's not just Lynn and Anthony. It's, uh, it's a lot of people, including us. It's uh, better,
1: uh, better Beth than Carol. I, I think that's an okay sentiment. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so, but... Well, then it's not like the real people, so screw it. I liked Beth.
0: I liked Beth. I didn't want to see her die, but I can't say I want to see Carol's character go either. Um, there are one or two characters that I wouldn't mind losing, but we'll see what happens. Uh, who's next? Um, Anthony, another Anthony, in Independence, Missouri. Anthony writes, there were there were several things I enjoyed about this episode. Hooray! Somebody enjoys stuff, finally. Uh, the maggots on Bob's foot. The nice way Morgan killed the walker stuck under the school door. He seemed very humane. He told her to be quiet, then gently put her out of her misery. I laughed out loud when Rick ran down the cop with the car. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) The stupid things were Carl hammering square nails in the church door with the handle of his gun. WTF. Dawn being an instant draw in the Beth killing and Abe driving the firetruck right up to the church door to block the walkers. Dumb. Um, what do you think about, uh, um, his point about Carl hammering square nails in the church door with the handle of his gun? Is that just a bad idea?
1: Well, you know, it's not a hammer, it's a firearm, and, uh, you shouldn't use it for purposes other than what it was intended for, because you might break it, and you might need it, and if it's broken, it doesn't do you any good. Yeah, that's true. That is true.
0: Um, I'd be worried about I I don't know. I'd be worried to do anything with a gun, frankly, other than shoot it. And even shooting it would freak me out.
1: Well, it depends. I mean, if you, if if it's cocked and ready to go, then it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit nervous, but if it's empty and it's just, if it's, if it's empty of bullets, it's just a, uh, you know, a piece of hardened steel. So sure it would work as a hammer. That's kind of shaped like a hammer anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not the best thing in the world. And uh, we talked about the tools in the church and the, uh, the weird tools that they had and, Nobody had a hammer. So, uh, you know, use a a rock. You know, go pick up a rock. I've used a rock as a hammer before. I've used a screwdriver as a hammer before. You don't use a firearm as a hammer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I I wouldn't find anything. There's an axe. You could use the back end of an axe. makes an excellent hammer. Actually, that is a really good hammer. Did they bring the axe outside with them? I don't know what happened to the axe. They were chopping up the pews.
0: Well, uh, and, uh, Michonne used it to chop open the door to let uh, let what's let Gabe back in. So that she had it then. I don't know if they brought yeah. it out with them. I don't remember. I don't know. You think the, think there's an axe on the fire truck? Uh, definitely Probably an axe. Yeah, so. unless unless it'd been stolen. But the fire trucks always have axes. Yeah,
1: fire axes. Yeah. Fire axe. That's right. All right, so next we have an email from Jenna from Kentucky, but born in Tennessee. This becomes important a little later. (laughs) Uh, The Maggie-Beth conundrum. Daryl told Beth was taken. Uh, Sorry, Daryl told her Beth was taken. That was the best anyone knew. Uh, He also said that she thought she was alive. I think Maggie chose to believe that she was dead because uh, in that world, even if she was alive, there was no guarantee that she would ever see her again. especially especially since they had no idea where to start looking for her. So Maggie grieved quietly to herself because it's no use making a scene out of it. When Maggie had the news that Beth was alive and they knew where she was, she let herself have hope. I do think they could have explained Maggie's not ask, uh, asking a lot about Beth more, but I think it was fine.
0: Maybe we didn't talk about this. Maybe I read Jenna's email while I was putting this together and it dropped that idea in my mind. I should have put this email a couple more up, but uh, this is basically what I was saying, that she decided right. that Beth was dead and she was going live, to live with that, and then the moment she found out she, there might be a chance that uh, she was alive, she, that's when she got some hope.
1: Right. So we've had, you know, over the course of the first half of this season, we've had some questionably useless conversations. Couldn't Maggie and Glenn have had a useless conversation that would have set the stage for this? Maybe, you know, 14 seconds, 14 seconds of dialogue would have cleared up this whole issue. Yeah.
0: And that's what's so frustrating about it, because it seems like it would be so simple, yet they didn't do it. They didn't give that to us. And, uh, I don't know. I guess we're just supposed to come up with our own our own theories here or our own interpretations. And
1: sorry, Jenna, if I stole yours. But uh, basically, that's, that's what it is right there. Right. So Jenna actually does go on to talk about uh, goo-goo clusters, which I believe is what uh, Morgan had. Yep. So goo-goo clusters were invented in Tennessee, my home state. They were awesome. The original, and the kind Morgan has, is a coconut nougat covered in caramel, covered in peanuts, then covered in chocolate. They also come in peanut butter nougat version. Goo Goo Clusters, RC Cola, and Jack Daniels, Teleca- the Tennessee delicacies. Ten, did, did, that you almost made up a new word there, tenadelikes yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Uh, so that sounds I've never li- had Goo Goo Clusters, but co-c- coconut nougat covered in caramel, covered in peanuts, covered in chocolate. Sounds lovely. And so, the peanut butter version sounds nice too. Sounds delicious, man. Oh my goodness. I'd like to try some of those. Do you ever um, your drink, you drink uh, Jack Daniels? I've had Jack Daniels. Yeah. The only time I think I've ever had Jack Daniels is I sat down with a big bottle of Jack Daniels and this uh, girl, Kristen Moore. Uh, hi, Kristen, if you're listening. We sat down at a party and we just went shot for shot and drank that whole bottle of Jack Daniels. And she totally drank me under the table. I was hammered out of my skull and she uh, was playing my drums in the basement. I told her to get away from them. And then she punched me in the face and laid me down on my ass for the rest of the night. That was it. I was out. Back in your drinking days. That was the only time I ever had Jack Daniels. That
0: was uh, that was a hell of a lot of fun, that party. Yeah. Um, you should try that again now, someday.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll give her a call. <laughs>
0: give her a call. <laughs> hey, do you want to recreate that thing when we were 21? <laughs> the
1: time we got drunk and you punched me in the face? <laughs> that was awesome.
0: Yeah. Good times. Um, anyways, I would love to try one of these goo-goo clusters. They do sound pretty good. RC Cola I've had, but it's its a uh, poor man's cola, I would say. Not so good. And Jack Daniels, well, nothing wrong with that. Uh, all right. Uh, finally here, Jody on the internet writes, I'm a teacher and my classroom has plain old windows. No safety glass. Zero. Zilch. Nada. All right. Jody has won me over. Yeah, but you, you know, know I don't. You know, she, she knows. I don't know for sure that all the windows on my kid's schools are safety glass, but any doors that have windows, like big window doors, it's safety glass
1: for sure. Right, with like a wire mesh inside the window. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so and then the zombies they broke through the uh, the doors. That's true.
0: So it should have been safety glass. Because, you know, some kid's going to come running at that thing and then their friend is going to trip them. They're going to go head first into that. And you don't want to go head first through a glass sheet.
1: It's not good. No. I've had a friend that, uh, that did just that. After a full bottle of Jack Daniels? No, he was riding his bike. And you know when you're trying to ride your bike really fast and you put your head down to get some speed? Yes. He did that and uh, accidentally drove his bike into the back of a pickup truck with a canopy and he went through the glass on the canopy. And he <laughs> was in the hospital for like three weeks. Yeah. doesn't sound fun <laughs> at all. Yeah. No, it's not good. It's not a good situation. All right. All right. So from this point forward, we're going to talk about just, uh, we're going to have emails from the general season. Yeah. It's just some just emails that overall.
0: aren't really about a specific episode or they're just more about some some theory or something from the
1: first eight. So take it away. All right. So first we have Lucy in Newmarket, England. We have a Newmarket, Ontario. Uh, in self-help, does anyone else think it's a bit short-sighted of Abraham and the others to just bugger off and leave the bus without any kind of message to the others? As far as they know, Rick is on their way following the map, which leads them to the burnt-out bus and the assumption that were that they were all dead.
0: Yeah, it's a very, very good point. It's like they drove 15 miles in a bus, it flipped over and exploded, and they just leave, and they just walk away, and they're supposed to be following this map, so, um... Yeah, it would be like you know what, leave a note, or they're only fifteen yeah. miles away. Go back and say you know what, we crashed the bus. We got to find something else, and then leave
1: again. I don't know it. It seems a little uh, short sighted. Definitely. Yeah, I'm sure you could collect enough zombie parts to spell out something on the road. Yeah, like we kept going or something. Yeah, you know, in arms and legs and things. Still going exactly. Yeah.
0: All right, Elizabeth in Calgary, beautiful Calgary, Alberta, writes. Just wanted to ask the question. Could Morgan be Noah's uncle? Noah told Beth that he and his father came out that way looking for his uncle. And this thought popped into my head. Hmm. Is this true? Did Noah say that? He came looking for his uncle? I don't recall that. Well, I'm going to take Elizabeth at her word and say that it is true. And that's a cool theory. I mean, in some ways, it would fe- to me, it would feel a little bit coincidental, a little too coincidental that, you know, they run into Noah and... Morgan's his uncle and they're gonna have a big reunion at some point. But um it is a it is an interesting theory, definitely. And there have been crazier coincidences on TV shows in the past. So
1: that'd be fun. And if it's true, uh Elizabeth, you uh you rock for picking up on that. There you go. All right, next we have Paul in England. Paul writes, I really don't understand the pacing of this season. I don't know about you guys, but I found the termites imprisonment and subsequent hunting of our survivors far more interesting than the hospital conflict, yet the latter has been dragged out while the termites were defeated in the blink of an eye. Cannibals were something new for this show, whereas we've already seen attempted prisoner exchange deals throughout the governor plotline with Glenn and Maggie and then Herschel and Michonne, plus when Glenn got nabbed in season one. I'd much rather have spent the first uh, spent this half of the season on the cannibal conflict than Hotel California.
0: You know, after seeing all these eight episodes, I can't say I entirely disagree with Paul. The cannibal, yeah. the termites, to me, were, were
1: more interesting characters, and that was wrapped up so quickly. And- yeah, they were in such a pickle at the end of last season. We're like, oh my God, how are they going to get out of this? It was going to be such a big deal. They were trapped in a train car by well-armed, well-organized uh, group of people that may or may not be cannibals. Holy crap, that would have been awesome. But no, they 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 solved that in two episodes, an episode and a half.
0: Well, they were basically out in one and then the cannibals were dead two two episodes later. So Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I'm with you. I was not nearly as into the the Hotel California plot line as I was <laughs> the uh Cannibal Terminus plot line, so Yeah. You know, but hey, we don't make the show. Mike in Panama City, Florida writes, nice to see everyone again and I wish they would have done this with the last three episodes. And did I miss something or did they completely skip over Daryl bringing Noah into the group? And why does every finale have to end the same way? Them fighting some rogue group its getting old.
1: Yeah, they did skip over that, didn't they? With the uh, Daryl showing up and going, come on out. They showed
0: that and then next thing we know it's just Noah integrated with them and he's helping them fortify the church it's right i mean i guess that's not the most interesting thing to show but i don't know i would have i expected to see it frankly i expected to see that scene specifically picked up from where he said come on out and we did not right
1: okay next we have uh derek in frisco texas and uh he go. He goes on to say, or he starts by saying... This is where things get interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm new to your podcast. I have to say you and your listeners need to lighten up. Complaining about the pillow moving on the bed in the shelter, really? You guys are really overthinking things. I'm not the type of viewer that over- analyzes every critical detail. Of course, some episodes are better than others. I get talking about problems with the story, character development, etc., however, over analyzing a van dropping off a bridge in a in a show about a zombie apocalypse seems a little petty. I will continue to listen to you guys, but I hope not every podcast over analyzes like this one yeah and he he went on in his email to
0: mention that we we you know talked forever about the how and the why of that telephone
1: pole that fell down <laughs> yeah, so this is uh and you know uh Derek, I'm glad you wrote in, and this is one of the reasons why in the last uh podcast. I decided to save everything, uh, and I'm starting the new segment of uh, the Nitpick Minute because uh, I agree that over the last few episodes, uh, this season in particular, that uh, we've been nitpicking things. Like there seems to be, and I'm not sure whether it's the show or whether it's us that are just, you know, you and me taking a little more critical detail at or critical look at little tiny details and calling them out on it. It seems a little nitpicky to me. But uh, it could be the show's fault. Well,
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think my opinion is that we've always kind of been like this. We've always done, you know, the very detailed recap, looking at everything. We don't pick up on everything. Lots of times listeners write in with stuff and say, hey, you guys didn't think of this or you missed that, you know, and that's fantastic. But I think we've always focused on the finer detail and you know maybe to the benefit sometimes and maybe not other times um and if we happen to be going through a phase right now where those finer details are not working for us well yeah. i i don't think we're really going to hold back and and skip over it just because you know it's it feels a little more negative than usual
1: yeah you know there's and there, there's a line that uh we may have crossed i think is uh, is I think what I'm getting at. Whereas, uh, you know, talking about story and character development and uh, not giving us, uh, you know, Maggie's thinking that Beth was dead, that's one thing. But uh, going on specifically about the telephone pole might be taking it too far. Like oh my god, there's a telephone pole on the ground. Why is a telephone pole on the ground? And why did it break off in the middle of the telephone pole? And why did it land on these two guys that were on uh, beside the telephone pole? You know, going on for 15 minutes about that damn telephone pole could be annoying. And this is probably annoying right now because we're still talking <laughs> about that damn telephone pole. <laughs> so there might Derek might be right that uh, there's a line that we may cross about there's there's a critical analysis versus uh, nitpicking. But it, but this is the kind of thing you especially, and I think about when
0: we're watching this show. Uh, you know, that's the way it goes. If the telephone pole stands out to you as something that is, okay, interesting is not the right word, but it stands out to you for whatever reason, you're going to mention it. You're going to bring it up. And yeah, yeah, fine. Maybe we can move on a little quicker, but uh, yeah. um, that's that's usually my job, to keep the podcast moving forward at least right. a little bit. And, you know, here we are at an hour and Ten minutes or so, and uh, still have another email to read. And I'm going to read it right now.
1: <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so I just want to say, Derek, uh, I'm glad you wrote in, and I hope you can keep listening. And I hope, uh, I hope that we can live up to your to your standards and be more interesting than annoying. And I, uh, I do plan to hold all my all my nitpicking things, like the stuff that crosses that line to the end. Okay, And but just in 1 minute give out all the nitpicking things so you can be aware that I know about them, but I'm not going to drag them on. Right, but don't let it
0: color your your um not your interpretation. Don't let it affect your your discussion of of the recap, right? If something bugs you, you got to bring it up. You can't just leave well, yeah, it all at the end. So
1: Well, there's critical analysis and there's nitpicking. All right. Well, Kate, so from- I'm going to try I'm going to try and draw that uh Define that line for myself. Uh, I'm going to read Kate from the
0: internet in a second. She wrote in basically on the same topic, but uh, okay. somebody has been um, recently or posted a few comments on our website, talking to podcast.com for attached to this episode and basically saying the same thing. I, I don't know for sure that it's Derek, but I kind of assume is, but maybe it's not. So it could be that other people are are feeling this way too. Uh, But anyways, I I commented back to that person on our site. So if you're interested in seeing that, head over to the site and click the post for our uh, CODA recap, which was the last one before this episode. Anyways, Kate on the internet writes, my feeling is that we all are already suspending our disbelief to go along with this zombie world in the first place. But that is a supernatural element, so when they push us to also believe that real-world concepts such as the laws of physics are no longer in place, we are so utterly distracted that we are removed from this zombie world, and thus the show. If the continuity error error is so egregiously incorrect that it takes you out of the show immersion enjoyment experience, then it deserves, or at least warrants, further discussion and analysis. And where better to do that than with other fans, and are esteemed hosts of the Talking Dead podcast. <laughs> so Kate, okay, keep...
1: steam has gone too far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so keep doing what you're doing and nitpick away because that's your job and you are and you are great at it most of all. We love it. So, thank you Kate first of all. <laughs> yep. Thanks, and Kate. the whole thing is I can see both sides.
1: Well, yes, and I'm still going to nitpick. I'm just going to hold it for a specific segment rather than uh Side, you know, derailing the entire show. Sure, you're just going to derail it with random stuff like liches and dinosaurs and and stories
0: about Jack Daniels instead. That that will not stop. No, I do, I wouldn't expect it to, nor would I want it to. Right. All right. Uh, should I just go with the call here, the last call?
1: Uh, yeah. So we have uh, actually no, that was that was mine. So we have Sorry. a call from <laughs> Shell in Melbourne, Australia. On uh, your note says here that she's having a weird issue.
0: Yeah, and we'll find out what it is in a second. Here we go.
2: Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. This is Shell from Melbourne. Um, I just need to let you know about an issue I've been having. Um, maybe it's just me. Maybe you want to ask and see if others have the same problem. But um, I've been listening for, oh, it must be more than two years now. And when I started listening, I went back right to the start and listened to all the old um, episodes. So... Yeah, I've I've heard every episode you've ever podcast, but what I can't do is tell your voices apart. So when you come on to the podcast and you say, hi, my name's Chris, hi, I'm Jason, and at the end when you say, my name's Chris and I'm Jason, they're the only times when I know who's who. Maybe it's... You know, maybe, I'm sure you don't sound exactly the same and maybe it's because, you know, you, you have, to me, you have an accent and so it kind of it's harder for me to differentiate and I don't know. But I, I you know, it's even stopped me giving feedback because I don't want to say or email to you, oh, I was really interested in that discussion where one of you said blah, 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 <laughs> oh, and then the other one argued, Blah 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 blah. And oh it's it's kind of getting embarrassing, frankly.
0: Alright, I'll stop it there. Um Shell, this is Jason.
1: That's wrong. That's Chris wrong. is lying. <laughs>
0: um I don't know. I think we sound pretty different, to be honest. But then I would, because I'm right here and you're right there and and I've known you for a long time, and I know the sound of my own voice
1: compared to yours. So I don't know. I kinda know. disagree with you. Uh when I listen back to the podcast, I really do think we sound similar as well. Are so you, Shell, I'm I'm kinda with you. Are you nuts? I'm not nuts. Like I know what I sound like inside my own head and I know what you sound like uh outside of your head. But uh when I listen back, uh sometimes it's it's they're similar. That's I what, can see where she's coming from.
0: That's weird. If anyone else out there has a similar problem, let me know. Although I'm not really sure what we can do about it.
1: No, other than uh, starting every sentence we say uh, with our names. Uh, right.
0: That would be weird. I, I, what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to speak in a funny voice from now on.
1: I can talk in a lower register if you'd like. Yeah, see, that would work fine. You could, I'll so just I'll talk normally. You talk a little higher and I'll talk a little lower and everything will be fine. <laughs> I'll move closer to the microphone and talk really low
0: no you're gonna you're gonna eat it then we don't want that i mean you could put on an accent you could uh just, do you could just do a funny voice you know do um i don't know pick a cartoon character or something foghorn leghorn yeah do foghorn leghorn
1: some little i' say there's some a little yeesh about a boy that doesn't play baseball <laughs> see if you did that it would be perfect that was pretty
0: good <laughs>
1: it's my only foghorn leghorn but <laughs> i know
0: that's good, man. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, Shell. Uh, I hope you can, I don't know, somehow, somehow tell us apart. Um, But, uh, yeah.
1: Okay, so just so you know, Chris is the one that moves the podcast forward, and I'm the one that derails the conversation and nitpicks and talks about weird facts and about uh, historical events in my life. That's a good way to keep us separate, keep us, keep
0: track of us. All right.
1: So if we're on a tangent for any reason whatsoever, it's
0: Jason. Well, well, it's Jason's fault. I sometimes follow you on those tangents.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Merrily, we're skipping along in our whatever tangent rat hole that we're going down. But I've caused it. Yeah. He's caused it. Okay. Well, um,
0: that's it. That's all for this podcast. We're going to do it all again on Monday because, like I said off the top, there is um, lots more email in the email account, Jason, that we can go through before uh, and when and we want to get on the show.
1: That sounds like fun.
0: Good. Um, I guess you can keep sending stuff in and if you want to, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead or on Twitter at Talking Dead. Or of course, you can give us a call on the toll-free phone number which is 1-844-483-9662. Uh, Or go to our our, uh, website and click send voicemail. Um, One more reminder, send in, record your favorite scene contest entries for that fancy pants prize pack. We're halfway through the season now, so we only have halfway or uh, half of it left to get those entries in because we will pick a winner right after the season finale on season five. Um, And we want to get lots more. They're fun to play. They're fun to listen to. Everything about them is fun. Uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, and use our Amazon links when you do all your shopping at Amazon. Go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the most appropriate country store for you. Not country store, but the most appropriate country, which will lead you to the Amazon store. And right. uh you'll take a little bit of money away from Amazon and give it to us. And everyone should feel good about that.
1: (laughs) That's a good thing.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing. All right, uh, that's going to do it. We'll see you again next week. Uh, Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) Fuck, I screwed up the end.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I have problems with colors. Some people have problems with voices. I'm, I have problems with colors. I, uh, did I ever tell you about the, the brown pants I had? You thought they were blue or something, right? No, they were. I had brown pants. They were brown pants. I wore them for a couple of years until Jenny pointed out they were purple. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down and went, oh, my God, they're purple. So I thought they were brown for a long time, and I'm wearing these brown pants or, or what I thought was brown turned out to be purple for years. Well, purple's okay, though. Yeah, well, it was a fashion statement, apparently.
2: There's something, I'll say there's something kind of yeah about a kid that's never played baseball.